0: Today's our guest is Michael Blank from NightHawk Equity. Welcome, Michael Blank. A great honor uh, to intervene in my podcast. I'm a huge fan of your work in this space.
1: Rama, thanks so much. It's great to be here.
0: Sure, likewise. Thank you. A little bit about Michael. Uh, Mike, Michael, an entrepreneur through and through and passionate about helping people become financially free with real estate investing. He's the author of the amazing bestseller, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing and host of the popular Financial Freedom with Real Estate podcast. He's helped investors purchase over 40,500 units valued at 3.5 billion through his training programs. As CEO of Knight Hack Equity, he controls over 300 million in multi-family real estate. So
1: with that, Mike, you want to add anything to your background? Oh my gosh! How much time do I have, Rama? What, what what can I what can I tell you that that might be most interesting to you? Anything, anything useful for our listeners. Well, I mean, useful. I don't know. Maybe I'll start here. I mean, my background really was maybe like a lot of other people, which is, you know, I was taught to go to school, get good grades, and get a good job with benefits, right? And that's kind of what I did. And um, and uh, I have a software background, so I actually have a I'm highly educated, Rama. I have a computer science master's degree and i joined a software startup in the late 90s and uh, went public in march of 2000 it was a company called Web Methods. at the time one of the most successful software ipos in history you know put a bunch of money in my pocket and then a few years went by and um, and you know in 2004 i read rich dad poor dad and it just completely just slapped me upside the head because you know it didn't matter how much i was my salary was or how much money i had in my in my brokerage account it was all mattered how much passive income you're deriving. And that was so new to me that it just, it threw me for such a loop Rama. And so the point was like three months, I was like, I was, my head was spinning to the point where one day I just came home to my wife and said, Hey honey, I quit my job today to pursue financial freedom. And of course she thought I was off my rocker and I spent the next 10 years pursuing financial freedom. And I basically did everything under the sun uh, some things worked, but didn't d- didn't result in financial freedom. Some things didn't work at all. Um, uh, one of the things that didn't work at all is I went got into the restaurant business actually and lost my IPO millions, almost lost my house in the prospect. So lost like seven years through all that nonsense. Uh, flipped a bunch of houses, you know, um, traded some stocks and options until I got into an apartment building in 2011. While I was flipping houses and trying to extricate myself out of the restaurants. And that's when the light bulb kind of went off where I was like, man, I, that that apartment building was a complete nightmare when I got it. But once it was stabilized, like 12 months later, it got super boring, you know, because house flipping is much more interesting than, than an apartment building. And I was like, but meanwhile, if I'm not buying, fixing and selling houses, I don't make money. And when I sell it, the money stops flowing. And I was like, something is wrong. And I was like, man, I got to do more of this and stop doing that. And that's kind of when it shifted and I started blogging about it on the bigger pockets and people started asking me questions. So I put out more blog posts and I created the syndicated deal analyzer and I created a course. And so now I'm starting to do deals and I'm educating people how to syndicate. And we're one of the leading educators around syndication. Uh, We also syndicate ourselves to Nighthawk Equity, but we also teach people how to syndicate as well. And our mission really is financial freedom with real estate. And it's maybe not in the way that some people think, which is single family houses, but it's actually with apartment buildings.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Great journey. Thank you very much for that. I'm a huge fan of your work, like podcast or, you know, SDA model, all the stuff. And you're helping like hundreds and thousands of students or real estate, uh, thousands of people by become financially free with real estate investing. So what exactly that means to you?
1: It means something different to different people. It's a great question, really. Um, I think for most people, at least in, in my universe, is it it means time freedom. Uh, now it, it, there are other people listening, watching this if to them. It means being rich and being a millionaire and that's fine. And then those people typically follow Grant Cardone, you know, uh, or some other crazy people it, it, in my world, it morally means means to control your time, meaning that you have options to do what, what you want with your time. Um, and that doesn't mean you stop working. It just means that you work on your own terms. You can continue working or you can not work for 30 days and then continue working. I mean, most of us are wired to work anyway. The whole idea of not doing anything for the rest of your life is awful. Like that idea, I don't know who came up with that idea, but it's a pretty bad one. The difference is that you're working on your own terms and and that I can choose to do with what I can with my time. The idea being that if I'm a W2 employee, someone else tells me uh, how I need to spend my time. And if not, you're fired and the money stops flowing. So I think for most people, it's options. The other question it becomes, okay, if you have those options, what do you do with those options? In other words, you have to dig a little deeper and that really varies very widely uh, based on the person. But it's a great question because financial freedom gives you options of, of controlling your time. Then what does that mean to you? Why is that even important? And you have to answer these questions for yourself. Otherwise, why embark on something as crazy as investing in multifamily syndications?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. agree on that one. So how much uh, I think you're running thought uh, thought leadership platform, podcasts, and organizing conferences, and books, and blogs, all that stuff. So, how much that thought, uh, thought leadership platform helped you in uh, in your multifamily journey?
1: So, honestly, th- there's definitely a benefit, but from an efficiency standpoint, it's awful. Meaning that it's <laughs> it takes much more work, much more people to run to teach people how how to buy apartment buildings than actually buy an apartment building. And so, therefore, most people don't do both. They either do one or the other, or they one do one poorly. And not the other. And it takes a certain degree of commitment. Uh, to some degree, the apartment investing is vastly more profitable than edu- the educational business. And the only reason I really do it when I've ever done it is because I want to teach people how to become, um, become financially free and they want to use real estate as a tool. And most people just think single family houses, flipping or wholesaling or landlording or doing the Burr method. And it's just not true. And so for me. I spend probably sixty-five percent of my time on the educational business because it's more satisfying for me. But again, I I would have much more time uh, and, and 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 probably make more money if I just focused on investing. But that wouldn't be as fulfilling. And so that's really that's really why why I do it. And the the vehicle apartments. What's cool about it is it's more powerful than any other real estate investment. And and the only reason not everybody jumps and does it is because you don't see it on HDTV. Okay. You don't write books. You don't read books about it. No one at your meetup does it. And it's perceived as this advanced strategy that requires experience. The truth is it doesn't. And also people think that they need a million dollars in the bank to buy a multi-million dollar building, which also is not true because it doesn't have to be your money. So there's a lot of limiting and false beliefs. When I say, Oh, apartment buildings, are your path to freedom. And they're like, I don't think so. And so now we know that there's many, many people who skipped the single-family house investing went right into apartments. And what's also cool about it is that literally people are quitting their jobs within six to twelve months of when they decide to get into it, which is almost impossible to do on single-family houses. And that's why I'm so passionate about about apartments as a vehicle for financial freedom.
0: Yeah, definitely agree on that one. And also, uh, you impacted so many uh, so many people through your podcast or you know through your programs. And and in podcasts where you focus on like first first deal, so what, what is the reason behind it?
1: Yeah, it's it's this observation I made when I started my podcast in twenty fourteen, and I, I published a book I think uh, several years later. There was a common pattern that happened, and 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 so what happened is people read rich dad poor dad, right? And they're like, oh, real estate. And they're like, I'm gonna buy a townhouse one per year. I'm gonna flip. I'm gonna do right. So there's these strategies uh, that they they come up with, and then what happens is they realize after a number of years that they can't actually get to where they want to go, right? And then they're like, "My gosh, what do I do now? What do I do now? What can I do now?" And that's kind of when they when they start to to pivot and they look for other other options, and 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 that's when they come and that's when they come across these other crazy ideas that that we talked about here, and. And that takes sometimes years for them to get to that, to get that point. And what we're trying to do is we're just trying to shortcut that. You don't have to spend five years flipping houses; you can get right into apartment buildings, even if you don't have the experience or the or the money yourself. Yeah,
0: great. So, what are the, some of the
1: biggest challenges and
0: obstacles you have faced when when it, when it comes to apartment investing?
1: Well, I, I would almost say that my greatest challenges weren't in apartment investing; they were they were um, they were in the in business, right when I first quit, quit my job and I got into the restaurant business, that was my probably my biggest challenges. Man, by the time I got an apartment, I had basically lost my shirt in restaurants. I had eight restaurants at one at one point, so I learned how to how to you know manage people uh, and grow a business and and how to basically extricate myself from a failing business. That made a lot of scars from that. Uh, the house flipping really over on, on the most part was profitable. I maybe lost money on a, two deals out of thirty. Right. And on apartments, I've never lost money on an apartments. And having said that, I mean, there's there's always a challenge. Actually, that's not true. I lost money on a deal that didn't close. Right. Um, that was a number of years ago. We tried to bite off a deal that was order of magnitude too big. I think it was probably in twenty eighteen or something. We we're trying to buy a five hundred unit portfolio for like a ridiculous amount of money, like forty-five million. Which is we'll have that for breakfast now, but back then it was like this staggering amount, and we had to raise this staggering amount of money. We're like, we can do it, we can do this, and we couldn't do it. <laughs> and we literally lost six figures in that in that uh, debacle, and it's you know it's 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 one of those things where you kind of get ahead of yourself a little a little bit, but but bottom line is this is um I had noticed that I I have lost money or struggled when I didn't have mentors or advisors around me for various different reasons. And I have always succeeded or exceeded my expectations and got a massive ROI every time I, I had mentors or, or advisors around me. And and that was the major mistake I made early in my career because I had this IPO money and I thought I was pretty smart. And you know you put that money in, in what you think is smart and it kind of results in arrogance, which is really what it does. And you're like, I don't need any help. Oh, I'm smart. I got money. I can figure it out. But when, when, in, when in hindsight, this is is so dumb. Because if you have money, why don't why not hire an expert? Even if it cost you thirty grand, why experiment on yourself? Like why do that? That's what I did. I, I apparently enjoyed it so much. Um, and and so I think if you if you look at that, every time I had some mentor or advisor, even if it's it's unpaid, there were some unpaid ones is people who are just you know felt sorry for you or or the paid ones that always accelerates your progress and it helps you avoid the big mistakes. So that's probably probably the biggest lesson learned through all this stuff is man if you can afford it you know hire a mentor find an unpaid mentor network your way to someone who will take you under the wing and kind of help you accelerate your journey.
0: Yeah great points. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that lessons you have learned. Any any other lessons you have learned as part of apartment
1: investing yeah i mean again i didn't in my in my defense when i started uh when i started flipping houses i hired actually hired a mentor because flipping houses been around for a long time i mean probably back into the 80s and, and so there are there were mentors around for flipping houses. there was also systems like i hired a wholesaler who taught me a system of sending postcards putting up banded signs negotiating deals like there's a system so number one i would say hire or find a mentor, someone who has done what you want to do. Number 1. And then and then number 2, follow a proven system. Now back in 2011 when I got actually I got into I officially got into apartments in 2006 before the recession because I took some boot camp and for 9 months I'm calling brokers, I'm analyzing deals, right? So I'm kind of figuring stuff out, but back then there was definitely no system and no mentors. Now 2011, even in 2011, maybe there was one guy, but but there's really no coaching and no system. So my 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 point is the following now that has changed. Now you can actually hire mentors and you can also follow a proven system. You really want to fire, a, it's been around long enough now where you shouldn't have to reinvent the wheel. You shouldn't have to figure out, well, how do I do my first deal? Like what is it? What do I should, what should I do first? What should I do a second? Like that shouldn't, I mean, we have a system that's called the dealmaker blueprint, right? We map out your first 90 days precisely because we've done it so many times. So regardless of whether you look at us, or some other educational company, make sure they follow a proven system and just follow that. There's no reason, you know, and if you if you do that, if you have someone who can look over your shoulder and you ha- you're following a proven system, you know, there is very little chance for you to make major mistakes. I mean, there there isn't. Because you have so much level of support, and I think the third component is maybe community. Again, I didn't have a community in 2011, but now there are communities out there and you are probably part of them already, you know, pick your favorite community, you know, now you're surrounded by like-minded people who are trying to do what you're going to do. You're having a bad day. You call your buddy, he goes, man, I had a bad day yesterday as well. I mean, you kind of get through it together. And so I think the third component really is 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 a community. If you have those three things, really when anything you want to do in life, talk weight loss or I want to quit smoking. Those things, those three things, the, the probability of your success is much higher when you have those three things.
0: Yeah, definitely agree on that. Those are like solid points. So and what do you believe is the key to success when it comes to apartment investing?
1: I think the secret success of apartment investing is, and really anything is consistency. <clears throat> and I remember I had Grant Cardone on the podcast a little while ago and I said, Grant, what's your secret to success, right? And I was like, ah, I, I was expecting him to say, you know, my plane, of course, my Bentley. And he thought for a second, he goes, consistency. And I thought that was so super boring and profound at the same time. Because I, I agree with him. I think it's consistency. If you study people who do their first deal and quit their job and scale large portfolios, any one of those people, what's, what they don't have in common is demographic. They're from all walks of life. Uh, what they don't have in common is resources. Some of them have money. Some of them don't. What they don't have in common is networks. Some of them have networks and some of them don't at all. What they do have in common, though, is hustle okay it, it, and that hustle is not some some burst of energy for a month, but it's a it's it's not even a it it's not even a burst of energy. It's basically doing what I call taking tiny action, doing small things every day over long periods of time. Those people are successful and and if you're not one of them, if you get very excited about something, you have this giant burst of energy for a month, you're not gonna get there no no, no human. Can change his life so profoundly in thirty days. I don't care how much energy and enthusiasm you have, and this is why, for example, sales sales guys or insurance brokers, or or uh, even real estate agents or anyone who is in the sales business has a leg up because they have it beaten into them through education and and experience that if you don't hit the phones every single day, you're not making sales. And they understand this. They understand that, it, that you have to you have to make phone calls every single day for the rest of your life, right? And if, if you can, if you can think that you have to analyze deals for the rest of your life, you're going to talk to potential investors for the rest of your life, every single day, every single week. And and if that sounds too boring for you, you're not right for the, for the business. But then again, you're not right really for anything because anything, anything that you want to do in life, anything that you want that, that is transformational, such as multifamily or starting a business or or my gosh even starting a family let's go with that right if you don't show up every single day recommitted to your spouse and your kids you're going to you're not going to be a good father you're not going to be a husband so to answer your very short question with a very long answer it's i think it's consistency
0: yeah agree agree consistency is key yep and what are the, some of the biggest mistakes you see investors making when when it comes to apartment investing
1: well, I can answer that at multiple levels. I can I can answer that at a tactical level and a more strategic level. Maybe I'll do a strategic one first. Yeah. I think the single biggest reason that people fail or don't succeed, let's put it that way, is because they're not consistent. Honestly. Like I, I, I almost think that if I and I if I if I were to do a science project of our students, we have a hundred percent success rate with people who stick with it, and we have a one hundred percent failure rate with those who don't. It's really that simple. Now some people do their first deal in 4 months, some people do it within 12 months, some people it takes 14 months, right? And this is really why I love um I love uh, Hal Elrod's book called The Miracle Equation because he redefines goal setting and success. So what he says is, you know, we're taught to set a goal like I'm going to do my first deal in uh, uh, in 6 months. Okay, great. Great goals, very specific, measurable, blah blah blah. But the problem with that is If you set a goal like that, you don't control like 80% of the things in that goal. You don't control the sellers. You don't control the market. You don't control interest rates. uh, You don't control a potential buyer, okay? You control none of those things. So what he's saying is the only thing you can control is your actions. What can you do that gets that outcome? And I think this goes back to consistency. And I think this is really, really important because it is the one thing I think that people, why people don't succeed is because they set a certain goal in their mind. And then that day comes and goes and the goal is not there. And they get frustrated, they get disappointed, and they quit. Versus another one is one instead of saying, I am going to do my first deal in six months, what I'm going to do is I'm going to commit for as long as it takes to analyzing deals and speaking to investors for as long as it takes. And I'm going to do it for 10 years if I have to, okay, you have that kind of attitude, you are going to be successful. And that's what hell, Elrod teaches in his book, and I find it so empowering because I don't have to put so much pressure on myself. Why, why six months? Why not 12 months? Why not? Who cares if it takes 18 months? If in six months after that, you're literally permanently retired, who cares if it takes six months or 18 months? It doesn't really matter. So I, I, think, I think fundamentally, that is probably why people don't succeed. On a more tactical level, uh, I see people violating some of the other three things we talked about earlier. They don't have a mentor. They're not following a proven system. They don't have community around them. You know, I was, I was talking to some some guy a little while ago, and he told me he lost $25,000 on a deal that didn't close. And I asked him what happened. And he made all the mistakes, like not just one, but it's like a compounded, you know, mistake cake, one layer atop top of the other. And that would have never happened if he followed a proven system and or uh, some mentor would have looked over shoulder and goes, no, 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 John, are you probably That's probably, that's not going to end well for you. No, you should, probably shouldn't spend that money because you don't know X, Y, and Z yet. Right. So, so I think if you're not following the, once, once you, you have a consistency mindset, getting the right level of support around you is uh, I think is absolutely key. And if you have those components, those four components, there's no, there's no way you cannot succeed.
0: Yeah. Great. Great points. Again, so what do what is the biggest opportunities when it comes to apartment investing?
1: What opportunities? There are multiple opportunities in apartments. So uh, let's start with the kind of investor you are, right? So from, from, from the top down, if you're a high income earner, you have a demanding job and you're making good money. You know, I wouldn't quit my job. I quit your job. You're making hay while you can. But what are you going to do with all your money, right? Well, shoot, stick it in the stock market, put it in mutual funds. I know we'll invest in Bitcoin, right? All those options suck. And so if you are an investor, you're scratching your head right now. You're like, man, what do I do? Right. And so the opportunity for passive investor is to look into multifamily investments, which is kind of what you're, you know, what, what, what you're in because that investment is so superior to everything else that's out there. So that's the opportunity for the passives. And, um, you know, if if you are looking for to work for yourself, you're looking for an exit out of what you're doing right now, then getting involved actively is is the opportunity right so the opportunity is to is to um actually start looking for deals and um putting a team together and and syndicating or um if you don't like the idea of looking for deals and analyzing deals and some of us do some of us don't then you can always get into capital raising right so there's people who have relationship people who have access to capital but they are not going to analyze they're never going to open up a spreadsheet right that's awful that's the worst thing but they're happy to talk to new people go to meetings, play some golf, right? And so those two find themselves in a joint venture. And almost every single multifamily syndication is a joint venture of at least two people. For those exact reasons, because most of us gravitate towards one or the other. So the opportunity for the introvert analytical person is to be the deal finder. And the opportunity for more of the extroverted relationship person is more of a capital raiser. And so if you're in the right network, you have access to capital. Your biggest problem is I got to find a deal. So you're going to find a deal finder. If I'm like, man, I got deal flow, but I have no idea how to raise money you're going to look for a capital raiser and you're going to say, I got deal flow. I need money. And if you're in the right community, you will come together and form a joint venture. And now both of you are active general partners. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Great. Great. And
1: what's what, what's what take on current and future multifamily space? it depends on what your time frame is right <clears throat> is it next 90 days is it 5 years is it 2 years right so yeah next 18 months i can say 6 uh, 12 to 18 months yeah so you know for the next year um so what's happening right now obviously is that interest rates are going is going are going up uh we all we all know that they're you know they're about 3% right now the fed has said that they're probably going to go to 4% in 2023 and leave it there well it doesn't bother me as much. the The reason right now for the next ninety days, I think that the markets are disrupted, is because of the debt markets, and it's because it's related to the speed with which interest rates have been moving. It's they've been, they've been moving more now than they ever have in history, and that creates disruption in the debt markets because in the this disruption in the bond market and the stock market. And the entire market is disrupted. So lenders are like, they're pulling back, right? They're not giving us an 80% LTV or 75% LTV. They're giving us 55% LTV. You can't buy anything on 55%. I mean, I might as well open a nightclub with a loan like that. Like that's not enough leverage. So there's this disparity between between the market. Now, the good news is it's not gonna last forever. We saw with COVID as well, where actually bridge debt went away entirely. At least this now bridge debt is still around, it's just the LTV super low. But after COVID for like the first three to four months, it literally went away. Like they just, they went away. It was so bad, they literally went away. Well, it's not even that bad, but it is disrupting the market. So what I what I think is, the Fed will go up to its 4% and uh, and then the debt markets will settle down. Yes, it'll settle down at a higher rate, but the LTVs will go back up. So it'll become a new normal, right? And so in that timeframe, I think there's gonna be a lot of opportunity because prices are way down from their March high. So I'd say they're probably down about 20% since the March high, not because of the fundamentals though. It's really only because of the debt, because it's harder to get the debt. The fundamentals are stronger than ever. Occupancy are strong. Uh, the inflation is driving rents up. The fundamentals are actually stronger than they were back in March. It's just the debt markets can't doesn't allow me as a buyer to get the same return because my leverage is fundamentally lower. So I think what's going to happen is the the the, the, the uh, we're going to have we we're struggling a little bit finding opportunity right now uh in the next I'd say ninety days. But once the Fed is done ra- ra- raising interest rates, uh, I think it will normalize. I think it'll become even better than that. Rama, I think not only will the rates normalize, but I think the Fed will create a nice little recession for us. And what's gonna happen then is obviously, the Fed can't actually, they can't actually put up with a, with a recession. Right now we're in a mild recession, but if it goes up another percentage point, I think some people are gonna start defaulting. Like uh, some of this debt, this corporate debt is gonna come due. And you know, so this cheap money has come to an end and these companies use this cheap debt to buy back their own stock at a much higher price now their debt is coming due at a much higher valuation and their stock is worth less, it's gonna create a problem. So I, th- I think it will create a recession and we will see layoffs because of that. And it's really only because of poor fiscal policy on behalf of the Fed that we all took advantage of and it's creating problems right now. That will then create a recession. And I just think what what's gonna happen is the Fed is gonna to crumble to political pressure, which they've always done since the late 90s. Every time things get tough, they decrease interest rates and print money. Because it worked so well before and so you know the fed has always had this mo of of solving uh short-term problems getting short-term gain and kicking the can down the road and creating much 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 bigger problems so i think that's gonna i think we're gonna have a recession the fed is going to back off of their their interest resume qe and of course that will drive inflation through the roof therefore there's no better place to, infl- to hedge against inflation than real estate. And I think we have a disruption in the market right now, now for three, maybe four months, but there's nothing better in real estate for inflation. And inflation is not going away, even with 4%. It is way too low to make sixteen actual 16% inflation, which is probably where it really is not a 10, 10% at all. I can talk about that separately, but but 4% is not nearly as much to make inflation go back down. So it's gonna stay around. And I, I want to be, I don't know where else to put my money. I can't put it in cash because I'm losing 10% of every single year, right? Stock markets on the way down. We just broke through a low on the S&P. You know, the safe haven right now is a US dollar. But I think it's pure speculation that's creating that. I think it's all illusion that people, the world thinks that the Fed is fighting inflation tooth and nail and they're going to win. It's all baloney. Because they can't raise interest rates high enough to actually do anything with inflation, so I think what's going to happen is when when the when the when people see the recession coming, the U.S. dollar will start to go down along with the stock market, and then people are just going to go into two things: real estate and gold, uh, the hard assets. And so I'm buying a little bit of gold, uh, but most of, most of it I want to be I want to be in real estate. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for sharing your perspective. What's your take on technology and apartment
0: investing side?
1: Like what do you mean? Like what do you mean on the technology side? Like
0: any technology, AI or something on um, uh, how that is impacting, you know, apartment investing.
1: Apartments is so low tech. <laughs> it's the mo- from a high, former high tech person. It's super frustrating, and <clears throat> it's uh, it's it's awful, you know. But at the same time, there's there's there is some some opportunity to take advantage of tech. Like for example, you know the. Um, uh, the management software has gotten a lot better, right? So it's it's easier for the proper manager to enter stuff in real time. And for you as the owner to log in, like that's been very cool. There's been some some cool new things like package lockers, right? So you can imagine, so, so you know, Amazon FedEx ships uh, boxes. And if you don't have a package locker, just send to the office. Well, if the office is closed, how am I gonna get my package at eight o'clock so I can you know, get my latest gadget? I can't, and it's irritating because the next day I go to work and now the office opens at nine o'clock, I can never pick up my package. Super irritating. So these package lockers connect with your, with your app and it connects directly with Amazon and FedEx and, and UPS where you get a package locker, Amazon puts it in a locker, you come home at 10 o'clock at night, you use your app, you open the package locker, get your package. Cool, right? Stuff like that is really cool. Um, uh, so, so examples uh, on the investing side, investor portals are relatively new. I'd say they probably started come popping up maybe the last four years or so. Now there's a lot more, right? So now it really improves the experience of raising capital, not only for the operator but also for the investor. These are super streamlined, very professional-looking portals. Makes it easy to sign things and get your updates and wire money. So, I mean, where I mean, wherever we can find the opportunity, we'll use tech uh, as much as we can. But I mean, you know, is there something on the horizon similar to Uber for taxis? Pfft. I don't see it. I don't know. And if there were property managers would probably resist it. That's for sure. Got it. Got it. Cool.
0: And so would you share any of your best multifamily investing experience so far?
1: Man, the best. I, man, I I tell you the coolest thing is, is stuff that sells that you bought two, three, four years ago, you know? And so as an, as an operator and even as an investor, but, but as an operator, you know, as you know, you pay yourself an acquisition fee when you buy something, so it's this cool, super high where you get this this giant check when you close when you close the deal, and you can use that to scale your, your your business with. And so that's very exciting when you buy something. But man, what's even more exhilarating is when you buy when you sell something, especially over the last two years specifically. Man, I mean, inflation has been so good to rents and to valuations that we're selling stuff now that we we're going to hold for five years. And now we're like, man, I mean, the valuation is what what it was that we projected five years in the future. Should we sell now? Well, I don't know. We're not really apartment flippers, but it would be almost irresponsible not to sell now. And so, you know, these valuations, when you're dealing with multimillion dollar properties, um, and we have one deal in, in Huntsville right now that we're, that we're selling in the, I mean, look, our, our goal for investors or the IRR is simply like a 15% return, super solid beats the stock market all day long, right? But this particular prop- property, the, the IRR is like forty-five percent. Like it's ridiculous. It's we tripled their money in like twenty-four months, and it's only—I mean, yes, it's it's maybe some good operation, okay? But but it's really it's really buying right, being in the right market, and and then what's been happening in the market? I mean, inflation is 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 awesome. So I think the biggest success is seeing some of your deals that you did, you know, three years ago, four years ago, being sold. Yep. And the amount of wealth that creates for the investor and for the operator is staggering. I mean, you put in a hundred grand, and someone puts in a hundred grand, they're probably maybe investing maybe half a million dollars a year, you know. And that hundred grand turned into you know three hundred grand, or that five hundred turned to one point five million over the last twenty four months. Like that's just amazing. That I mean, that's life changing right there. So I think I think from that perspective, that's been very exciting. And then seeing our students you know, not get deals that they bought three, four years ago, and they're selling to coming full cycle. And it's just, it's just awesome.
0: Yep. Yep. So would you also share any challenging experience also?
1: Yeah. I mean, we talked about some of those challenging experiences. We talked about the the deal that, um, you know, that didn't close. That was, that was challenging. I, you know, I, I there's always challenges. One of the reasons I like this business is that it works in every market and every down market. And, and I like that. I like the stability of it. I like how it behaves in down markets. I like how it behaves in inflation. Um, but that also sounds kind of boring, which maybe it is. But 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 there is always a challenge. And and as an entrepreneur, dealing with those challenges makes it exciting at the same time. So, I mean, start. where do you start, right? COVID was super exciting for about five weeks. Right. If in March of 2020, we're all sitting there biting our nails, going, Oh oh my gosh, are our tenants gonna pay their rent? Or are we dead right now? Right. So we're all biting our nails till 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 till, right, you know, March rents are coming in, you know, and they come in week one, week two, week three. We're like, Oh, they're about the same as as February. We're like, Oh, okay, that's pretty good. Okay, wait, wait a minute. What about April? What about April? So now we're biting our nails for April, and the rents are coming in week one, week two, and they're about the same as it were in March. We're like, Oh, March rent's are coming, and we're like, oh, wait a minute! They're paying—they're paying April's rent with March paychecks. Like, we don't even know. It could May. May surely is going to be a disaster. Okay, so you're you're biting your nails for like 90, 90 days, and then you know um, you you get into uh, deals right around that time, and then what happens in COVID is your construction is a major issue. You can't get stuff, or it's like twice as much. No one shows up for work, so you're thinking I'm going to turn ten units a month. And within 12, you know, weeks, I'm going to triple our income, you know, whatever the income. We're like, dude, we're not getting anywhere close to our pro forma because things, is, first of all, we don't have enough money in our construction budget now. Okay. And things are taking three times longer. No one's showing up for work. So how do you deal with that? How do you pivot with that? Or let's say another one, you know, you're you're selling. Okay. You're just one of these Huntsville deal, great example. We're selling, but is now a great time to sell? No, not really. In fact, we're off our high in March. And then there's a lot of retrading happening right now, meaning that people get it under contract and then they get different debt terms and they're like, oh, I can't buy for the same price. Will you take $2 million uh, less? No, I won't, right? Or maybe I will, it really depends. You know, or then maybe we'll refinance. Well, refinance, the LTV is lower. So what do you do? What How do you handle it? Do you sell? Do you refinance or do you hold, right? So those are challenges that I just find, I find them interesting. And especially in a market right now, where they're they're changing so rapidly it just keeps you on your toes i think it just makes this business interesting
0: got it yeah so and what drives you what you're doing mike
1: yeah it's uh it's really it's really helping um other people do something that they haven't that didn't think was possible in the beginning which is cool in itself but then how it transforms their entire life their time their entire tra- trajectory right because when you con- when you Well, let's, let's say you got, you know, you know, let's say you're making 6,000, you have $6,000 in expenses. You're making 10,000 and yeah, but 6,000, you're not, you're not, uh, you know, make taking your trips anymore. 6,000, if I can have $6,000 come in, I could probably quit my job, right? So if you do, if you would uh, do a deal and let's say you do a $3 million, small million dollar deal, $3 million, and you have a $60,000 acquisition fee. Right. I now have 10 months of runway. Now, with a single deal, could you quit your job if you have sixty thousand dollars in the bank? Well, maybe, right? Maybe you can. And so what is that? How does that impact your family? Right. And if now dad's home at two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and what will that person do with that freedom? And that's the even more powerful thing because most people who become financial free, they're gonna scale their business, of course, because they can. So they're gonna make more money, but they're also gonna start making a difference with their time and with their money as well. And so that's what gets me up every day is, is how can I show people to achieve financial freedom as quickly as six months, which is, you know, typically it takes our students six months to do their first deal and, and what transformation results from that. So that's what really gets me, gets me excited. Awesome. Awesome.
0: So, any of your personal habits that are helping you to be successful?
1: Yeah, I mean a bunch of things. Um, I would say my morning routine. Um, I I do like Hal Elrod for some reason. I quote his books a lot, but his other book, which came out first, was um, the Miracle Morning, and I think that's one success habit that I I only started like five years ago, and um, and I really I always struggle with my morning routine because I just you know I'm a I my thought my mind's always going, and so. I struggle with meditating. You're meditating, you're supposed to turn your brain off. No, I can't take turn my brain off. Right. So so how can I how can I use a morning routine to not only calm myself but create create clarity? And so I really liked his book because it was very tangible, very hands-on. So I think that's one thing I would say um that has made a material difference for me over the last uh last few years. Cool. And
0: anyone personal learning or any one personal decision that you took have a major impact on your life?
1: One one particular action I took?
0: Yeah, action or decision that you took.
1: Well, for me, it was actually implementing a miracle morning. So it was literally like, I literally got up an hour earlier. First, I started with 30, 30 minutes. And here's the thing, just just how, how I read books, because a lot of people read a lot of books and it doesn't really impress me. The question is, what do you do with that? And so, so I, I started using only Kindle. Um, And the reason is that I can read it at night and I can highlight something. Then then what I'll do is I'll once I read a book, I'll go back through the book, and I'll literally write down things that I want to do, like actually put it in my to-do list, or I put it in my my weekly plan, or my quarterly plan, or things that I actually want to implement. And then every once in a while, if the if I really like the book, I'll go back and reread my notes. So I won't read the entire book, but I'll read my highlights, and I'll refresh my and I'll do the same thing. Because obviously I thought it was important, so I will literally take like three to five action items from a book if I really like it, and I will implement it in 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 what I do every single day. I did. So apart from Miracle Morning, any other book that impacted your life? Um, I think I, the the one the book um, that that made him was was a difference for me was uh, the one thing by Gary Keller. Because there are so many things you can do with your time. And if, and if you ask the question, what is the one thing that if you could achieve that one thing, it would make everything easier or even unnecessary. And you take the time through reflection, your miracle morning to come up with that one thing. Now, if you focus like a laser on that one thing, it'll make all those other things either much easier or completely unnecessary. And think of that one thing, right? If your one thing is to raise a million dollars and you have no idea how you're going to get 10 people to put up a hundred thousand well, the one thing would be to fund one person and put up one million dollars, for example. Well, that would make the other ones completely unnecessary. Yep, stuff like that. And so he also uh, yeah. teaches you how to time block. How to time block. So, for example, every Tuesday and Thursday morning, I have strategic time. Right. So there's no phone calls, no podcasts, no emails, and so from nine to twelve, that's six hours in a week. I actually get 90% of my work done, right? And without that, I I can't actually move my my rocks forward because I'm constantly putting out fires or constantly emails. And that's why people feel like they're treading water because they're constantly reacting to inbound stimuli and things that are happening. And so that book helps you kind of prioritize and block that time. Awesome, awesome. And how can listeners can connect with you, Mike? Yeah, I mean, uh, we have a variety of free resources that are available and we all put them in one place. And we call it the Freedom Vault. And people can get to it at uh, it's it's uh, it's the Freedom, uh, the, and it's our podcast and are all the free, it's, it's the way people can get to it is thefreedompodcast.com forward slash Rama. So it's the Freedom Podcast. And there's two ways, there's a link to the podcast because it's free and it's also cool. And then there's a Freedom Vault on the right-hand side. And in there are all of our free resources. We have a free ebook on how to raise money to buy your first apartment building deal. For more experienced syndicators, we have in there how you scale your syndication business. For passive investors, uh, we explain syndications and how they're different and similar to investing in the stock market. So if you're interested at all in getting started multifamily uh, yourself, this would be a great resource. So that's uh, thefreedompodcast.com forward slash Rama. And it's just for your audience.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Mike. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you very much for sharing your experiences, you know, best and challenging experiences as well.
1: Ramah, thanks so much for having me on the show. Sure.
0: Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP 360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, shahcapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.